Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, final word on the final game of the regular season because uh, there is the bowl hope still out there uh, for the Gamecocks this uh, weekend. They go to Kentucky, 7.30 p.m., yet another night game. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but um, all these night games kind of seem like a waste during COVID-19. Um, and uh, Carolina didn't play a lot of night games before now. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of like to see a day game when the weather gets cooler like this. But uh that's what's happening. Uh, Kroger Field used to be Commonwealth Stadium up in Lexington, the Bluegrass. Uh, the Wildcats are coming in uh, somewhat unimpressive three and six. I think their best win this year was against Tennessee. Um, they've struggled kind of lately, almost lost to Vandy. Uh, Alabama beat them 63 to three, very demoralizing. Uh, Kentucky beat them 34, I mean, Florida beat them 34 10. I don't know. You know, this is a game kind of like that Missouri game where I think South Carolina's got a shot. You know, it's on the road. It's going to be pretty cold. Um, I don't know who that favors. I guess if Kentucky's been practicing in it, uh, maybe it favors them a little bit. I think South Carolina's run game uh, could be benefited. Um, You know, we'll just kind of see what happens. You know, the game game hadn't obviously gotten a lot of attention this week. I'll say this, though. I think if Carolina can win – uh, when you kind of look at the bowl projections, and this is assuming that we don't have another bowl canceled. Uh, and yesterday, you know, the Las Vegas Bowl, this was the first year of the SEC tie-in uh, and all that, and they canceled that game. Um, so they moved the SEC Pac-12 matchup to the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, Texas. And so that slot kind of came back. And, and if you look at it, you know, the SEC could send 13 teams to bowl games. And, and from what I've read, that's what they're going to do. Um, so, and, and look, I, I've talked to some people around Carolina, and I guess there's some discussion, would, would they accept it or not? But, the, you know, the, the thing that I've been told is, hey, look, as a program, you know, South Carolina's not in position to be turning down bowl games. Uh, that happened. That's happened three times, actually. Um, twice when Sparky Woods was at Carolina, 89 and 90. Uh, they turned down the Independence Bowl. And then probably in 04, had the fight with Clemson not happened, they were going to the Independence Bowl. Uh, and uh, and d- during the Spurrier transition, so that would have been interesting. But uh, Lou Holtz would have gotten a shot at 250 wins uh, had that fight not occurred. Uh, so three times they've turned Shreveport down. Shreveport's not on the docket this year. Birmingham, and then there's a second bowl now in Tampa, and then now Fort Worth. Uh, Charlotte's not on the table. Uh, they're a Big Ten ACC matchup this year. Uh, you know, and you have Jacksonville and Nashville and, and all the bowls that you normally have. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But but I think if Carolina wins, you know, they're they're pretty much – I don't, I don't want to say a lock, but they're right there in the thick of things. And I'm, they'll probably, you know, get the tiebreaker against Kentucky – Unless it's the Music City Bowl, of course. But, um, you know, and, and and I think my belief is that barring a change of heart, South Carolina will accept it and go to a bowl. Um, and, and, and I think they should. You know, some people, I think it's been a long season, you know, for, from the, the way it was delayed to start and then 
10 SEC games, uh, you know, that's that's brutal. Um, it hasn't gone well. There's been some ugly football. There's been a coaching change. Uh, personnel getting hurt, opting out. COVID, the COVID issues are now hitting Carolina a little bit. But, hey, you know, uh, I think the kids still get a, a gift box or whatever if they go to the bowl, the bowl gifts, and, and I don't think it's going to be like a normal – um, bull week or anything. I think you're going to fly in and fly out like a regular road game. But hey, you know, th- th- those gifts are pretty nice. And, you know, if it's a warm weather deal down in Tampa, you know, heck, that's a good reward uh, for the players to go play and suit it up for the Garnet and Black one more time if they're leaving. And, um, you know, I don't know who would coach it. Uh, I, I would think it would be Mike Bobo, but, you know, there is precedent out there for a new coach to come in and coach the bowl. I would, I would almost think, guys, that it would depend on when it is. If it's the Gasparilla Bowl, which is the other Tampa Bowl, that thing is December 26th, um, the day after Christmas. And so, you know, a new coach coming in, hitting the ground running with recruiting, you know, is he going to be able to, you know, coach bowl practice and do, you know, or would you rather just go with the interim staff and then, have kind of the uh, transition crew, like a presidential transition office set up. And they've done that uh, before. I know they did it in Ohio State when Urban Meyer got hired because they still had a bowl. Ironically, they played Florida, Will Muschamp's first team at Florida in the Gator Bowl, and Muschamp beat them 24-17. And then Urban took over and Luke Fickle stayed. Uh, I would say that was probably the most likely. But then again, you know, I think back to 1993 – uh, Ken Hatfield leaves um, Clemson and Tommy West is hired and they go to the Peach Bowl. They were eight and three. Uh, and Tommy West came in and coached the Peach Bowl game and he won at 14 13. I said on the podcast the other day, Kentucky beat Clemson 14 13, but that wasn't the case. I was corrected and I apologize for that error. Patrick Sapp, I think, threw the touchdown in that one back after, you know, so Tommy West started 1 0. So, you know, And I think it also maybe depends on who the coach is. I mean, Shane Beamer's been in that situation before. He took over Virginia Tech for his dad, who had to have some surgery and couldn't talk. And so he ran all the bowl practices and and coached the game. Uh, Of course, he was on staff already, so that's a little easier. But, uh, you know, if if it's him, he comes in right away and and does that. You know, and and I think from what I'm hearing that Napier could maybe come in and start right away too if it's him. Um, now, I don't know that Napier would coach the bowl. I, I just – it's all kind of up in the air uh, if you want to know the truth about it. So, we'll see. Uh, you know, it, it'll probably be if they go to a bowl, Shane Beamer, Mike Bobo, or Billy Napier coaching the team. But, um, you know, some coaches don't want anything to do with that because it's not their team. And they don't want to start 0-1, you know. So, we'll see sort of what happens uh, with all that, you know, with the bowl game and, and all that. But the Kentucky game – uh, look, Kentucky kind of struggles on offense. Gamecocks are still going to be shorthanded on defense. You know, Damani Staley's going to play some defense. Uh, I was told Eric Shaw is going to play some defense. Um, you know, you have Muhammad Kaba still there, going to play some defense. But uh, they are they are shorthanded. And, and then a walk-on from Fort Dorchester, Daryl Ware, is going to um, – and he is, he's a good walk-on player. But he's a walk-on, so he's going to play some linebackers. They don't have any linebackers. And, you know, without Ernest Jones, with the way Kentucky likes to run the ball, 
you know, you, you're just kind of like, wow, you know, short on the defensive line. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if, if Carolina, you know, if Carolina can find a way to maybe dial up some run blitzes and and, and get them behind the chains, and, and then you got Wilson trying to throw it against a secondary that's pretty much intact, that, that's playing pretty hard. You know, maybe you got a chance, but, uh, you know, Kentucky's offensive line's still good. You know, with, with the linebacker situation, you just kind of look at that matchup and go, "Wow!" Uh, but anyway, uh, on the hot in the hot spot this week because of that, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, "Let's put old Damani Staley in the hot spot because he's the he's the last man standing, really, as far as veteran linebackers go." So uh, we'll put him as the defensive hot spot guy, offensive hot spot guy. I'm going with Luke Doty. You know, I, I think when you look at it, you, you see that you know Luke Doty. Um, this is, I guess, his, his second start, his third game, uh, 18 for 22 last week. You know, did some good things, was under duress a lot. You know, if he can make some plays, and you got Shy Smith coming back and playing, uh, so some targets to throw the ball to, and then his running ability, you know, he can make some things happen. But, but I think that if he goes up there and makes a bunch of mistakes, giving the shorthanded nature of the Carolina defense. It could end up being a long day. Nobody around Carolina football, though, wants to lose to Kentucky six out of seven times. Um, it may happen. I would say it's probably going to happen. I'm probably going to predict it to happen. But, you know, hey, it would be nice if Carolina could go and, and pull off a win. And it's been that kind of weird year. You know, you can't just sit there and say, ah, well, there's no way Carolina can win. The matchups don't favor Carolina, but, you know, Kentucky's not super-duper. I mean, they're they're not a great football team. They were – Everybody's darlings uh, in the uh, in the SEC in the preseason, but uh, sometimes that's a curse uh, in the East. If you're the East team, everybody thinks is going to do good. Think about it. 2018, that was South Carolina. They got blown out by Georgia, stumbled to a seven and six finish. Last year, it was Missouri who started off really well and then collapsed at the end and finished six and six. Uh, and Barry Odom got fired. And then this year, it was Kentucky, and Mark Stoops and his guys are three and six and looking like they're heading towards another losing se- or losing season. Yeah, actually, they, they can't have a winning season because they're three. So if, even if they win this one in the bowl. So, uh, you know, you kind of look at it and, um, you know, uh, that's, a, that's kind of a curse. So next time you hear – and look, Tennessee was supposed to make a move this year too, and they're like – they're sitting there, I think, two and five with Texas A&M, Florida – and Vanderbilt left on the schedule. <laughs> so not good times in Knoxville. So, you know, you, you kind of look at it and, um, you know, I, I think that if you're picked like sixth in the SEC, sometimes that may be good that they're not talking about you. Uh, not the darlings of the, the division uh, or the team that's supposed to have the breakthrough. Um, you know, Mark Stoops has had great success against South Carolina. I think he's five and two, even that first team he had that, you know, I don't think won an SEC game. That was a – gosh, that was a – was a seven-point game at the end. Carolina was up like 28 nothing, 135-28. That was 2013. Um, and then that next year, 2014, that's when the streak started. Carolina won last year 24-7, lining up and just running it. Uh, and they were able to stop Kentucky's run. So we'll see kind of what happens with that. Uh, you know, given all the – Opt-outs and, and and the defensive issues for South Carolina, um, it's hard for me to pick them. 
I'm going to say it's going to be a competitive game. I say Kentucky will win 24-17 against the Gamecocks tomorrow. Uh, but certainly a victory is not out of the question. And quite frankly, I, I think, you know, you beat Kentucky, you, you get a, a, a bowl bid, even though you're three and seven, and you hire a new coach, you know, all in the span of a couple of weeks. I think, you know, that's a lot of positive energy for a program that desperately needs it right now. So you, you got to maintain hope. But uh, the good news is there's going to be a new coach regardless. I'd, you know, be, I'd be really surprised if it weren't Shane Beamer or Billy Napier. Uh, I think the Napier interview this Saturday um, is going to be, you know, important. Sometimes interviews aren't. You know, sometimes an athletic director knows who he's going to hire and the interview is just a formality, um, you know. But, but I think with this one, uh, you know, there's, a deci- there's an actual decision that has to be made. And uh, I think that's a good thing when a search can turn out and you look and, and really there's four finalists, you know, two, two favorites and four finalists, you know, there's Napier, Shane Beamer, uh, and then Brian Johnson, the OC at Florida, who I think is an outstanding young coach. And then Scott Satterfield from Louisville. And I think South Carolina, if they wanted to and made the right offer, could hire all four of them of the ones that I think, you know, you kind of look at and you go, well, they, they may turn it down. Uh, I think Napier's the guy you look at. Uh, for t- The other three I don't think would turn it down, in my opinion. Now, now l- let's say you offered Satterfield not that much more than he was making at Louisville and you wanted him to pay his own buyout and all this other stuff, then, then yeah, he'd probably turn it down, you know. But any kind of competitive offer with either of the other three, I think, definitely gets the job done. So that's where we're at with the search and uh, you know, a lot of people win or lose Saturday, they're going to be wanting an answer Sunday. <laughs> I just don't, you know, I, I can't guarantee you that's going to happen. Um, especially if it's like this big decision, you know, and, and especially if people aren't on the, the people doing the hiring aren't on the same page. Uh, and I know there's been a lot out there that said, you know, Ray Tanner sold on this candidate, but Caslin wants that one. I just want to tell you, and I don't know, I can't say that for sure because I'm not in their meetings, but but I'll tell you this, we have, on thebigspur.com, we have sourced this thing better than I think I've ever sourced anything in my career uh, as far as Tony Morrell, John Whittle, and myself, because uh, I know who everybody's talking to and I know who I'm talking to, um, and, and I've looked at the coverage uh, that we've done, and every step of the way we we have not you know, there, there's been no craziness and no bad info that we've gotten. Uh, and, and so with that given, I'm going to tell you this. I have not heard anything about Caslin and Tanner disagreeing on the guys on the board. I have heard, and I believe it, that, that Caslin likes Jeff Monken a lot. I've heard that he likes Scott Satterfield a lot, uh, probably because Satterfield Monken coached in the same league, and he probably called his buddy and asked him. Uh, just to be honest, Red Red doesn't like that. But um, uh, come on, buddy. I'm sorry. Some folks just don't don't. Uh, there's something that makes him bark, and it, it's uh, it's happening right now. Um, but uh, he's got a treat now, so he's good. But uh, you know, I've heard that, but I haven't heard anything like with well, Ray wants this guy, Bob Caslin wants the general Caslin wants that guy. And, and look, I, I think it's. A lot of people put that stuff out there because a lot of people, number one, don't like Ray Tanner. Um, and no matter what he does, it's never going to be good enough because they want him to, you know, they're either mad at him for 
not going back to the dugout or they're blaming him specifically for baseball not winning and football not winning. And look, to a certain extent, he hired those guys. And, you know, but athletic directors don't get fired because of their first hire not doing well. You know, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Now, you got to make the move. And I think, you know, there, there's two points of criticism with Ray Tanner that I agree with. Number one, I said this last year on the bigspur.com. They should have strongly considered making a move with football last year. Uh, you don't ever save uh, a firing because of recruiting, um, especially with the transfer portal these days, uh, and especially with the nature of recruiting. You, you don't, you know, are the how good are these guys really? And you don't know if the next guy has guys. Um, you know, you got to solve the problem. So I thought, you know, I, I don't know that I was necessarily advocating for Will Muschamp to get fired. But, but I thought, well, you know, you're just going to be – you're probably going to be doing this again in a year. Um, and when he hired Bobo, two-year deal, made some staff changes, which Des Kitchings, Rod Wilson, I thought were good staff hires. Tracy Rocker, uh, to a certain extent, was as well. You know, I thought, well, you know, th- if he can get Carolina back to a bowl next season, you know, I, I think you got to just keep on trucking to year six. You know, because it's not fair to sit there and say, hire all these coaches and then let's blow it up when you're, you know, going to a bowl game and you, you've rebounded. I think that's kind of what Florida did to him in 2014. And, you know, the, it's debatable, you know, down there. We'll never know how he would have done uh, with those teams McIlwain inherited. But, uh, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, you look at it and – um I felt that. I said, well, but then you look at this this year, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, everybody's getting to a bowl. <laughs> and, 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 you know, had he gotten four and six and gone to a bowl or whatever, uh, I think I think it's fine. But, you know, you you look at how the season's unfolded and, it, and nothing's changed. You know, nothing changed. Things have gotten worse. You know, it, it, things didn't change like like the whole thing where, you know, you show signs of life. Yeah, you know, you go beat Vandy, you know, you beat Auburn for the first time since the 30s. And then you're heading down to play an LSU team that's average, averages grits, and you get waxed. Okay, so maybe that was just LSU on a bad night. That's tough, you know. Well, then you come back home and, and you play a non-competitive game against AM. And that's the beginning of the end, that 48 to 3. And then you go on the road and you know, you play a team that's got a new coach that, that actually did fire their coach last year, um, begrudgingly so, because he was an old Miss guy and, a, and Matt Luke, you know, everybody around Oxford likes him. Everybody, everybody around the SEC likes him. He'd recruited well, obviously. And then you go and lose to Lane Kiffin 59-42 and you give up 159 points in three games. I mean, it just, you know, it's just not, that, that, that's, you know, that's pull the cord on that one. Um. You know, because you got you got at that point, it's the fifth year, and it's not necessarily the record. It's just you know how it was progress the progress. You know, uh, the record was the deciding factor, but the the pro- progression of the program. You know, you know those other teams he's coached, they they hadn't gotten beat one hundred and fifty nine to whatever it was one hundred fifty nine to seventy nine, one hundred fifty nine points three games. So you, you had to pull the cord uh, on that one with Muschamp. So, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how it is. So that, that was my first criticism. Maybe Ray Tanner could have made the move 
last year. Uh, and I think it's perfectly okay, you know, for people to feel that way because things you don't normally survive like he did last year with four and eight in year four in the SEC. Um, cause that, that shows you're trending in the wrong direction. You know, sometimes you, you don't survive losing to a Sunbelt team, you know, if you're in the SEC, but, uh, you know, the, the other thing is not necessarily the, the, the contra the raise and all that, that happened after 2017, because I'll tell you if the new coach comes in and they're winning nine games in year two, they're probably going to get an extension and a raise. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Um, it was, it was probably the extra year they added on after 2018 because, you know, recruits look for five-year deals because the normal average player is there four or five years. So, so if, if your contract's below five years, especially if you go to three, you know, that's going to get used against you in recruiting. There, there's no reason to go to six. <laughs> and they went to six, and that caused the buyout to not go down as much as possible. But look, man. Uh, you know, those are the two things, you know, otherwise, you know, I, I think, you know, some of the Ray Craig Tanner criticisms, just ridiculous, you know, now look, I think if he makes this hire and this hire does not work out, you can say, yeah, Ray didn't do a good job of hiring a football coach, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you this right now, I don't care who the AD was at South Carolina at this point or who, who, who it would have been you're probably going to end up with Billy Napier, Scott Satterfield, Shane Beamer, and Brian Johnson. That's just how it is. You know, some, some of you out there that were around when McGee was around, yes, Mike McGee was good. Mike McGee was almost better at convincing basketball coaches to take the basketball job, which right now that's a worse job. The, the basketball job is probably one of the hardest, toughest, worst basketball jobs. And, and you can thank Eric Hyman for that, for – holding on to Dave Odom too long, hiring Darren Horn, uh, and then having to get Frank in here to rebuild the whole thing. Um, I don't think as an alumnus of the University of North Carolina, uh, you know, before he hired Martin, which a lot of influential people strongly encouraged him to go make a, you know, knock it out of the park uh, for basketball. I, I don't think he thought South Carolina deserved to be a good basketball program. Um, and I don't know if that's because of his North Carolina background or what. Um, and it's it's not a good job, you know. And, and it, even with Frank going to the Final Four, you know, he fights battles that football and baseball don't have to. Um, and, and McGee, when he was hiring to the basketball program, it, you know, they were only 15 years removed from the McGuire era, the end of the McGuire era, and, and only like 22 years removed from being a national powerhouse in the ACC, you know, so you're, you're trying to convince, you know, Eddie Fogler, you know, Hey, come in South Carolina, you know, we're going to get, we have more money and better, you know, we got a better thing going than, than Vandy because we can get, you know, better athletes in the school or whatever you want to say. Yeah. You know, that's, that's attractive. You know, uh, the job before they hired Dave Odom, he almost had Tubby Smith convinced to leave Kentucky for Carolina. Uh, and then Jim Calhoun from Connecticut, and then it, it landed on Dave Odom. I always thought they should have just swallowed their pride and given Bobby Crimmins another shot. But, you know, Dave Odom was a sitting Power 5 coach at Wake Forest and had some success. And then they built the new arena and all that. So he was he was recruiting for to basketball at the time. The basketball job was probably perceived a little bit better. You know, we've had a lot of time. You know, the, the, the end of Odom – Horn and beginning of Martin 
was 10 years during the time when football and baseball were rocking and rolling. You know, Steve Spurrier was rocking and rolling. They were winning big games. Baseball was winning national championships, <laughs> uh, you know, and all that. And, and don't forget, Dr. McGee hired Ray Tanner, too. And that was uh, that was probably, you know, one of his best. I mean, obviously, that was a hire that paid off. One of the best in the history of the university because it ended in two national championships in the sport people care about. Um, and you got your next athletic director, like it or not. I mean, he played for four national titles. Um, and that's Carolina baseball, but that the baseball job's a different animal. It's, it's really, really good. So, you know, I, I look back and, and I see it, but keep, keep in mind too, with the football hires McGee made, Lou Holtz didn't have a job. And, you know, Lou would get some calls every now and then. I mean, he's out of coaching three years doing TV. And, but, but it wasn't like, you know, everybody else wanted Lou to, come coach for him. You know, I'm sure somebody would have, he'd eventually gotten back in, I think. But, you know, there was the deal that he made and the deal that he made with Skip and and all that good stuff. And, and that was just a special situation. And then Steve Spurrier, if you think about it, uh, Spurrier was out in 03 and 0, no, no, he was out in 01. Yeah, so 02 and 03 coach the Redskins. He sat out 04. So he was available after 03. North Carolina did not fire John Bunning. <laughs> and uh, because there was the rumors he was going to North Carolina. And, uh, you know, he ended up and, – and look, here, here's here's something crazy. 03, that was the year of 63-17. Do you guys remember that, that Tommy Bowden lost 45-17 to to Wake Forest? And he was going to get fired had he not beaten Bobby Bowden the next week? in the Bowden Bowl. And then they turned it around in one nine and got, he got an extension. And unfortunately for him, he hired Rob Spence and you know, that was down the road. And that was a mistake two years later, but you know, do you not think Clemson would have tried to hire Steve Spurrier? I think they would have North Carolina could have hired him, but you know, by the time Carolina came open, there, there wasn't anything else open in the sec except Florida and then and that's a situation too. Had they just said, come on back, that's a no-brainer. Uh, yeah, I think he probably would have gone back, you know, but they they didn't handle it that way because their president down there uh came from Utah, and there was a coach at Utah named Urban Meyer that he wanted to bring, and it worked out best for them and best for South Carolina as well, because you know, he looked at it and he was like, Well, South Carolina, now I'll say this. Nick Saban was coaching at LSU at the time. Uh, they had won the national title in 03. In 04, they were a Citrus Bowl team. And I remember that game yeah, like it was yesterday because Nick Saban lost his last game at LSU to Iowa on a last-second touchdown pass from Drew Tate, the Iowa quarterback. They beat him 30-25. to 25. Three days later, he's with the Dolphins. Spurrier was already at South Carolina. He had been at South Carolina since the end of November. Um, Spurrier has written and talked about many, many times – the uh, the uh, admiration he had for the LSU job. And, you know, Joe Oliva, who he knew from his Duke days, ended up being the AD there, but not – he didn't hire Les Miles. That was Skip Bertman. So, you know, you still have to think. 
if uh, if if Saban had left before the bowl, let's say Saban said in November he was done, and LSU had been you know not caught off guard by it, you know, do you think Spurrier would have taken South Carolina or LSU? I think he'd taken LSU, and I'm glad he didn't. But that LSU job is one because um, he interviewed for it when he I think it was at USFL or at Duke. And it went to like Curly Hallman or one of those guys they had. You know, they had a string of bad coaches. And so, you know, those were special circumstances. And credit Mike McGee with getting it done, you know, because that's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you do it or the circumstances you do it with, you get it done. So, so 20 years, almost 20, 17 years pass. And, and there's a whole generation of people out there that, you know, are now on the internet and, you know, people that were in college when Lou first came, you know, are my age now. And and so we just hadn't been through like your normal run-of-the-mill SEC coaching search every three or four years, which happens. And look, I'm gonna tell you this. Um, if this doesn't work out in another four or five years, there'll be another head coaching change. And whereas when Carolina was an independent and cycling through coaches and trying to build, they never got going. That's that that was one thing that I think ended up, you know, being a little damaging. But I'll tell you this right now, it's it's, you know, in the SEC, you know, there's not a ton of time. You're not afforded, um, you know, I, I don't think you're afforded an entire five years to rebuild, especially when you're going backward like Will Muschamp did, you know. So we may be going through this again soon, but you know what? That's what you do. And you know what? That's what athletic directors do. Now, Ray may not be the athletic director at the time, you know, um, way down the road. Hopefully, hopefully he won't have to make another hire. But I do think that, you know, you have to be accustomed to this. And, you know, th- there are very few situations where, you know, a coach goes and stays an awful long time. Spurrier, you know, winning his coach in history, but also stayed long and, and saw it through. Um, and Carolina was winning enough to where they were able to do it. You know, Will Muschamp, that, that was different. People say, well, didn't Spurrier didn't turn it around until year six. Well, no, he did turn it around. I mean, he he took a team that had not been to a bowl game uh, in three years, and, and they were bowl eligible, and, and immediately went and beat Tennessee on the road, never happened, to beat Florida at home, never beating them in the SEC. Uh, and then the next year he beat Clemson, and then the next year he beat Georgia and Athens. And, and – that's not the same Clemson and those years that now the year he beat Georgia and Athens in 07, they finished ranked third in the country, you know, but Will Muschamp beat Georgia and Athens too. But, you know, you, you can kind of see that through those early Spurrier years, yeah, they were sort of mediocre or just, a, just okay above average, but every game was pretty exciting and competitive. They did get blown out sometimes, but they also had some surprisingly good games. They, they started making history in 09 when they beat Ole Miss at home. They turned the Clemson series around. And then by the time Lattimore got there, they had a foundation in year six, they were able to go win the East. Um, but Spurrier would not have been able to do that guys. Marcus Lattimore would not have come had Spurrier been sitting there with an eight and 16 record over two years. So, 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 yeah, you know, if the next guy comes in and he goes through a period where he loses eight out of 20, you know, wins only eight out of 24, um, you know, after maybe the first year, nobody's going to be happy and we're going to be going through all this again. And uh, that's just life in the Southeastern Conference. 
very, very rarely, you know, at most of the schools, <laughs> do you have a guy that stays a long, long time. And uh, that's just how it is. But hopefully it won't. You know, hopefully this, you know, you got the Muschamp hire, you know, and, and I think we'll look back and see some of the things he did as positive down the road. Um, and, and then you have the next guy, and then the next guy ends up doing pretty well. So, um, and that guy appears to be Billy Napier or Shane Beamer. All right, there's two ways to get into the mailbag, and I answered 13 mailbag questions yesterday. We only have a few today. And um, it's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, or, or you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Mark says, Give me Napier or Beamer. I think they both bring a similar mindset to the job of going back and forth, preferring one over the other at different times, but both could be successful here. Um, Napier having done more with less and winning three divisions may be tough for Beamer to overcome because it's tangible proof. Yeah. And like uh, Shane Beamer, though, does uh, fit my more with less criteria just because he's been at places where, you know, it's it's not a blue blood. Virginia Tech, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Georgia Tech. Um, you know, you don't have the same kind of uh, deal. And but he's also been at Tennessee, Georgia, and Oklahoma. Um, you know, and and so he's seen both sides of it. You know, I, I think one thing Muschamp messed up on when we talked about this uh, with the NFL thing and the, the I think they sort of panicked because you know they were used to be in places like Florida and. Texas and LSU and, and Auburn and, and those places in a lot of ways recruit themselves. And so they're, they're not getting the bite from, from some of these guys. And, and so I think they, they, we, we, you know, how do you sell, you know, what we do here? And so they went all in on focusing on, Hey, I can get you to the league. And, and that caused some problems, um, you know, and, and I think that instead of that being a function of simply a wrong mistake, I think that's a function of, I've never been someplace that that you know these are the challenges. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a strategy and go with it, you know. And it didn't work, but um, I don't think that was like uh, intentional or anything. So uh, you know, who, who do I prefer? I was asked today, you know, I, I, and I'm not gonna endorse anybody. If and look, this is how I think as a person. You know, I'm 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 a creative type. I'm an out of the box type of thinker. Um, I would lean and, and look, Tony and Whittle and uh, Hale on the site, they're leaning Napier and that's fine. But I'd probably lean the other direction just because I feel like, you know, with this program over the years, um, there's been some great times with, with the Holtzes and Spurriers of the world and the guys that have done in other places. Uh, but I think in football, you know, the game and how you build a program is changing. Uh, and I think in order for South Carolina to maximize South Carolina, you know, you need somebody that's going to come in here and be, you know, the South Carolina coach and, and have, you know, and, and do your own thing, you know. And that's, and I, and I think Shane Beamer, when you think long term, maybe does that, you know, in my mind a little bit more than Napier. That said, you know, we may be sitting there talking about Billy Napier being the greatest coach in South Carolina history in 10 years because he is that good. Um, both of them, I think, are very good. Just in my mind, it doesn't mean I'm right. Uh, if I had to lean one direction or another, I'd say Beamer. Now, who do I think is getting the job? I'd probably, you know, I would this morning I'd have told you I'm slightly leaning towards Napier getting it. Now I'm kind of back to 50-50. So that's it. But yeah, you should be happy with any of the, either of the two. 
either of the two. Dale says, was listening to your podcast today and someone mentioned Bobby Bentley as OC. Graduated from Burns High back in 2003 when he was head coach. All right, I'm Burns High, class of 95, Dale. Uh, and continued to go to the games even after I graduated. I specifically remember going out to Florida to watch Burns play St. Thomas Aquinas when both schools were number one or two in the nation. I flew into Fort Lauderdale that night. I covered the game for ESPN.com, who I was working for. Um, and so, yeah, I was there. Uh, it was especially enjoyable as Marcus was the running back. He looked like a man among boys, even though he struggled that game. Yeah, he had a bunch of yards. He just fumbled four times. But to address Bobby Bentley as the OC, I think he would be a great fit. He's really good at developing quarterbacks, always had a high-scoring offense. Uh, at one point in an interview, he was asked why he ran up the score so much on other teams. Ah, and if you ever see this illogical hate about Bobby Bentley and Jake Bentley, like on message boards or social media from Gamecock fans, I think this is a root cause. I think they're like not Burns guys, and he ran it up on them, and then people have a problem with it. But anyway, I'm going to read the rest of it. Uh, he said, my response is, it's not my job to start running my offense. I put in my second and third string, but still run the same offense I do with my first string as they need to get better as well. It's the other team's job to stop us. Yeah, it's exactly what Steve Spurrier used to say at Florida. Uh, he went on to ask if he was supposed to take a knee and punt every time they got the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's Bobby. That's Bobby Bentley. And, and that's why, you know, you look back and, you, and you, you know, with the exception of Mike Bobo, and you look at Kurt Roper and Brian McClendon, and you go, you had Bobby Bentley on staff the entire time. The entire time. You know, at a program that just got done with 10 and a half years of Steve Spurrier and that same type of philosophy. Spurrier's offense wasn't always good enough to run it up at Carolina. It wasn't Florida. But, yeah, he put the backup in, let him throw. Um, and Dale goes on to say, I also agree that if Bobby's not an OC, it'd be wise to keep him on staff, strong reputation in South Carolina, and such, such, success, such success while it burns. And I hear the haters now, it's a high school offense. Look, man, everybody in the country runs – the NFL, they're running that same offense these days. Um, he said, if you shoot me a message, what kind of game, Burns game film you're looking for, I'll see if I can get that footage to you. And there's several guys that played have ties there. Dale, thank you. Good to meet a fellow Lyman Duck and Welford Star Tex Reedville. Maybe a little bit of more <laughs> native. And Noah uh, has a Bobby Bentley question too. Can you explain what makes Bobby a really good coach? I don't doubt this, but I don't know much about him. Thanks for all your great work on podcast at Big Spur. Uh, Dale's it, Dale's email explained it better than I could. Just a uh, play caller, ball coach, offensive guy. Um you know, back in back in 07, Bobby's called dialing up, you know, ball. I don't know if he had gone to PC for that short time or not, but uh, you know, Gus Malzahn's getting into the business in Arkansas. There's no there's no difference between Bobby Bentley and Gus Malzahn or Chad Morris and Bobby Bentley. If anything, Bobby was better at the high school level and all that transitioned pretty well. And all of it still does. Um and, and I, I think too. If you're ever talking about like a head coach, you know, Bobby's really good at Burns calling plays and schemes and the X's and O's of it. But the things he did off the field to build that program and to bring that community and rally that community. Because when, when I went there, the marching band, you know, got a little bit more pizzazz, a little bit more loud uh, applause from the crowd 
than uh, than the football team. You know, <laughs> and uh, you see it after he took over. You know, just in terms of the organization uh, and the and the vision and 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 the you know just you know you want a lesson on how to build a program, college, high school, whatever. You know, Bobby's blueprint was outstanding and proven. Uh, and so I think that uh, you know what Dale said pro- is probably right. Plus what I just added. Jason says, thanks for the podcast, JC. I look forward to all of them. Typically, how long does it take a new coach as a head coach of another team to hit the ground at the new school and be full-time? I know if it Beamer, I know if it was Beamer, he would start ASAP, but wondering if it was Napier, how long it would take. Thanks for doing this for us. Um, well, I think it's going to depend on what, if Billy wants to coach the championship game or not. Um, certainly, I would think you would make an allowance for that and – you can kind of go back and forth. I, I tend to think both of them – I tend to think South Carolina, no matter who they hire, would like for whoever it is to hit the ground running and, and start. Um, so we'll see if there's any wiggle room with there. And, you know, hopefully that – I mean, that that may decide who gets the job, just to be honest. Just to be honest. Um they say time is of the essence. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much, I really don't know how much like two weeks would make a week. Like Napier's regular season ends today. Um, maybe you work one. I don't know. I don't know. You know, to, to me, uh, I understand the urgency, you know, but, but you, you just, and, and look, maybe, maybe you can salvage some sort of signing class. If you get, get a guy in and maybe those guys end up, making a difference for your team down the road. And if that's the case, then yeah, maybe you, you go with who could start early. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, really what should happen or not. Thanks Jason. And then the last one, uh, Kevin and Lincoln square says, JC, I've asked this several times on the big spur message board and nobody's been able to calm my fears. I didn't want to mispronounce that word. Assuage. I think, I don't know. Can you even tell me anything that would make me feel better that a Napier administration wouldn't be a tremendous drag? Muschamp with a little more winning doesn't sound terribly appealing. I, I get it a little bit, man. But, I, you know, Billy Napier is very, very well liked by his players. Now Muschamp was too. But they those guys at Louisiana look like they enjoy the hell out of football. Um, and I know his receivers at Alabama enjoyed playing football. And I know – his players at Clemson, you know, you watch that team the first year when they had C.J. Spiller, they, they enjoyed playing football. Um, so I don't, you know, I know Billy Napier, when, when, you, when you listen to him talk, he's kind of low-key and guarded and, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's a ball coach, you know. He, he's a guy that's like, you know, kind of just, uh, yeah, almost like a Mark Rick, if you think about kind of the demeanor. Mark Richton to be a pretty good coach. So I, I don't think it's going to be a drag. I think a lot of people are concerned. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm on the, I'm of the opinion. You cannot replicate Alabama and South Carolina. You could take the structure like they have because everybody that's successful has great off the field staff, great nutrition, this, that, and the other. You have to have those things just like Alabama does, but you got to put your own spin on it. You know, people want to know why Clemson's successful. They've got great structure. They've got a bunch of analysts. They've got organization, just like Alabama, but it is fundamentally a different culture. It is a different program. And so I believe Billy Napier would probably 
you know, it, you're, you're not looking at something that's like what Muschamp or Jeremy Pruitt or Kirby Smart want to do. Because I think, you know, you look at those three, they're, they're a little similar. I think Muschamp's actually a little more fun than those other two guys, to be honest. Um, n- none of those three things would work at, at, with the Gamecocks, uh, in my opinion. And it's, it's, it's nothing against any of them and their plans and, and their knowledge of football or whatever. But, but I, I just think you have to be at a place like at least as good as Georgia. You can't even be at Tennessee and put all that in and expect to win. That's what, you know, Hugh Freeze ends up at Tennessee. They'll probably get it right because, you know, I think Tennessee's been looking at themselves as an equal to Bama or an equal to Georgia or whatever. And that's just not the case anymore. Tennessee needs to be different. Um, they, you know, that they were going to hire Mike Leach and, uh, then they fired that guy who was the clown show AD and ended up with Pruitt. And, and, and looking back on that, that, that guy, that guy that tried to hire Mike Leach should have been fired before that. When they tried to hire Dave Doran, that's when you fire him by the way. And he was a clown and I still think he is a clown. Uh, and I'm glad Philip Fulmer stabbed him in the back and got the job, but I'll say this. I think that, uh, you know, when you sort of, when you sort of look at it, you know, you look back and you're like, well, you know, what, what the hell is fun about Tennessee football right now? Nothing. It was fun to win those eight games in a row against teams that weren't very good. (laughs) And, and, and Indiana, I gotta give, I gotta give my boys from Indiana credit, you know, I used to think it was a bad thing. They almost lost to Indiana in the Gator Bowl, but it's actually a good thing because Indiana's really good. Um, but what's fun about Jer- the Jeremy Pruitt era at Tennessee? You know, a lot of hard feelings with assistants. They don't want to take cuts during COVID. They're not very good on defense. It's supposed to be especially. Their offense has been a dumpster fire by and large. Lots of good recruiting stories and hype and great class they put together, which is all well and good. But when, when you look at it, you know, I don't think anybody around Tennessee football is having fun. I think they probably have more fun under Butch and, and, and Butch Jones and the quirky brick by brick and champions of life and all that. Because at least it's kind of like, man, what's he going to say next? Um, Derek Dooley, at least he was great for the press conference. Uh, you know, Georgia, I, I think, you know, uh, that kind of deal can work at Georgia because you're going to have enough talent to make it work. You know, Alabama, it's going to even, even Alabama is now having a lot of fun playing, especially on offense. So, you know, it does have to be fun. And I'm not saying that those guys aren't fun. I'm just saying that, you know, I understand the concern because, you know, Billy Napier's Napier's a Southern guy that's been on Alabama staff and, you know, you kind of sit there and think about it, but but I'll say this: he he is a different dude. Like you know, and you listen to him talk. Uh, I listened to an interview today with him when he took the the day he took the Louisiana job, and he's going through all the coaches that he learned from, and of course Dabo's mentioned and Saban's mentioned, but then he got to Todd Graham, and he, he Todd Graham was a coach at Arizona State, and he learned, you know, he was there a year under Todd Graham. And, he, you know, he said with, with Ty Graham, because Ty Graham's an old high school coach from Texas who climbed the ranks. And he said, you know, what Ty Graham does is he he runs it more like a big, great high school program. 
And he's like, you walk into Alabama and he's like, here's kind of their secret. He's like, you hear NFL, NFL, NFL. He's like, but really what Nick Saban does, and he's like, and Todd Graham reinforced this. Uh, and he said, he actually, there's a lot of traits from what Graham did that he takes with more so than Saban. But he said, reality with Saban is he runs it more like a big, successful high school program. And, and I thought that was telling because, you know, high school football has to be fun. Um, and immediately people start thinking about varsity blues and Bud Kilmer. But uh, I, I just, you know, I, I think personality wise, Napier's kind of reserved. You know, he's not going to. You know, he's not going to raise his voice in this press conference. He's going to be very calculated with what he says uh, and all that. Shane's probably a little more folksy with the media, but if you actually look at what Napier's teams do and look at the values that he says that, you know, he values, you know, and and look, he's the son of an old high school coach too. And, um, you know, Went to Furman, knows the knows what kind of works in the area. You know what I'm saying? He hadn't been at South Carolina, but he's been in South Carolina and knows the conference and the whole Southeast. You know, don't don't worry about it being a drag under Napier just because he worked for Nick Saban and just because the guy, you know, isn't like Derek Dooley in an interview. Would you rather have Derek Dooley or Billy Napier? Both former Saban guys, both from Louisiana schools. I think we know the answer to that question. All right. Listen, folks, have a really good weekend. Appreciate all you listening. I promised you an episode today. Got it for you. Gonna um, you know, keep my ear to the ground, my phone on, and work some sources and see what kind of information we can get. Please stay tuned to thebigspur.com. If anything breaks, we'll immediately have an emergency podcast here uh, on Inside the Gamecocks. Otherwise, it'll be next week. Pull for the Gamecocks this weekend. Watch some college football. Uh, And most of all, have fun. (laughs) I'm J.C. Sherbert uh, signing off, and we'll talk to you soon.